These are the things that dictate what comes to somebody in life. It's not this long-term planning and career. The power belongs to God. The Bible says clearly that he reigns in the affairs of men and he gives the kingdoms over to whomsoever he wishes and sets upon these kingdoms the least likely of people. God reigns. He reigns in the affairs of life. He reigns in the affairs of life. If you want to succeed in life, you go and ask him, say, God, please, do me a favor here. Bless me with this. You cannot scheme yourself into anything in life. You can't plan. Most people tell you that they plan. Listen, they are one out of a hundred. The 99 planned as well as they did, but they all failed. They all failed. I told you I wrote a story. Paul Getty, richest man in the world at the time. Because anytime I'm reading stories, even if people are not believers, I look for keys that show that God is righteous. Yes, you will see it. Just read through their materials. You will see it. That this did not depend on you. This is not depend on you. This depends on God. Paul Getty has such success doing his business. At the point in time, men were envious of him. So the whole, everybody ganged up to ruin him. Last moment, I think it was Royal Dutch Shell. Their CEO came to the U.S., and, and um, Pogetti went to see him. That singular meeting changed the course of his life. If that man had said, sorry, I can't help you, you would never have heard of Pogetti today. Well, because that man said, what they are doing is wrong. And he gave an instruction to his men, buy Getty's oil. That broke the thing that these guys were ganging up to use to kill this man out of business. You know what I mean? And they're out there. The power belongs to God. Listen, those who planned and schemed and did everything, most failed. Even in ministry. <laughs> See, in life, just locate what you're supposed to be doing. Keep on purifying your heart and making sure you do things with integrity. And keep on praying and say, God, what do I do next? Let him open doors for you. One thing God does for his people, listen to me, is that he opens doors, you step into them. You can't create doors. It's not possible. You can't create those kind of doors. He opens doors, you step into them. Let's take our Bible stories before we talk, talk modern stories. What happened to um, David? He was a good shepherd. was a dedicated one, a good musician. And that's all he did. Then one day he was walking and they came and said, come, somebody's looking for you. Your father said I should call you. He got there. What's happening? Someone said, come here. And poured oil on his head without explanation. Joseph, you know the story. God put him in a place where a man can't plan. Slave they plan. What's a slave going to plan? What's a prisoner going to plan? And that's why I tell people, everywhere you are, use that your skill to improve that place. Use your skill to improve that place. That was what these two people did. In due season, God sent somebody. He can't call that boy out for me. Sent one man who was going to die into prison and sent another man that was not supposed to die to go and stay with him. Just so that they would meet Joseph. The other one that was not supposed to die, God said, just stay there. And 
live with the memory of Joseph in your mind. When I need him, I need you to be the one to remember him. Took two years. Then one day, God remembered him. And that man was forced to remember. I feel like prophesying to somebody. Somebody will soon remember you. For many people here, that prophecy does not apply yet. Not because it's bad, but because there's nothing to remember about you yet. So uh, your own word is this. Go and work so that there will be something to remember. Are you getting my point? That's what you need to do. You go and work so that there will be something to remember. When they remembered Joseph, it was because he had the ability to interpret dreams. I hope you are getting what I'm saying. These are Bible stories. This, that's how God does it till today. That's how he does it. The only, if I said, look, let's go back to business world, modern day, just so that we can take lessons from these things. You look at, I was telling you earlier, that Mark Zuckerberg is the sixth richest man in the world now. I, I, I read a lot of this. I, I follow things that happen, you understand? I don't know. That, my pastime is reading news. Just be aware of your environment, you know? that, that, That's just where I am. Now, what, what I'm saying is that, Facebook did not make itself. The reason why Mark Zuckerberg made it to this level was because Apple made the iPhone. Google reacted by popularizing the Android. And Samsung carried Android far and wide. And everybody found out, well, the easy way that, you know, the projection which was all killed Nokia was that uh, smartphone is for the few. They did not know that God was going to raise all kinds of Chinese manufacturers of smartphones. They, but is it, they couldn't project that. That's what I'm talking about. Power belongs to God. They couldn't project it. So the next thing that happened, once God used Apple to create the idea of smartphones, there were smartphones before Apple. I mean, when did they start? Uh, when the iPhone show up? Before that time, Nokia communicator was there. These things were there. But there was something different that Apple brought in. Changed the way people use their phones. Once um, uh, Google released Android, they bought it from some guys. They, just, they bought up over the company and began to push Android. Between Android and Apple, people left desktop computing and went to mobile computing. There are tablets. The pads, everybody knows. You have the iPad, this on that. Everybody, that was why Facebook could suddenly go away from 100 million users till they hit 1 billion. Because not 1 billion people would not sit on a computer every day. But now, I still remember when Facebook was still trying to design a mobile version. What am I trying to say? He made it to what he is right now was not because he himself determined to. It was because other forces allowed Facebook to go mobile. I hope you are getting what I'm going to say here. What God does for people on earth is open doors. What he gives us every time, he says, just be busy until I open your own door. That's just what he does. Just be doing what you are doing. That's why I said, Two groups of people listening to me. One, you already have something to remember. 
to be remembered for? Soon you'll be remembered. For others, God said, don't worry yet. Just cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. When the time comes, I will have you remembered. That's what God says. Nobody can make himself or herself succeed in life. Nobody. What he can do is cultivate faithfulness and wait for the Lord. Those two things. I like to tell this story all the time because it's so, so powerful. I was in Lagos and I went for a program and Ron Kennedy came to teach, to minister, and then taught some of the minister sessions. And he told his story of how he became the Ron Kennedy that you know today. He schemed, he tried, and nothing worked. It was only when he gave up and he focused on his job in that church, what Americans call the music pastor. Lead the choir, make sure music is good every Sunday, arrange some other extra things in church. That was what he focused on. And he said to God, you gave me the gift. He said, I promise you, I will not write any other person again. So that was the promise. I will not write any other person. Why? Before that time, after I gave his life, he used to sing in clubs and places and do shows, you know, stuff like that. He said, I want to sing, sing gospel music. He went to Bible school. Let me sing gospel music. He sent his demo everywhere he knew. And the same reply came all the time. We are not interested in new artists at this time. We are not interested in new artists at this time. So the day he got the last one, he was so depressed. He went into the church, locked the doors, and said, God, nobody wants to listen to me. You will listen to me. He said he sat down there and sang and played the keyboard, he played and played and sang, worshipped the Lord until he finally went on the floor, knelt down, laid down there, cried when he got up from there and said, God, that's the last one. I am not writing anybody again. Stuck with his business in that church. And one day, Michael Coleman, I think, came in for service and heard this man lead praise worship. And he walked up to him and said, at the end of service, he said, Ah, my name is, I'm, I, like I keep on saying, I've never really remembered to confirm. He said, he said my name is Michael Coleman. I don't know whether him or Ron Kennedy, one of the two of them, or Don Moen, one of the two of them. Walked up to him and said, I'm one of the um, directors of Hosanna Music. He said, just, he, just, he said, he gave him his card and said, I want you to pray about recording an album with us. And he said, that was one prayer I never had to pray. So I pray about what? <laughs> of course, they accepted it. Then they recorded the album, Jesus is Alive. Many of us didn't know about Jesus is Alive. Then the next one was Lift Him Up. Even unbelievers both Lift Him Up. I don't know whether you were there when it was hot. Unbelief, it rem- look, the only place he remained was for them to play the nightclub. And by the time he came to Lagos then, just before he came, he had just been declared the best-selling praise and worship album ever produced on the earth. Just before he came to Lagos that time. In fact, Jesus is Alive started selling. Because some of us said, ah, he has another album, Jesus is Alive. We ran, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? I bought the tape. Bought, when CDs now became the in thing, we bought the CD. The video was everywhere. 
What did he do? Did he build Hosanna uh, music? He did not build Hosanna music. Did he arrange to meet Michael Coleman or Domwen? No. It was when he gave up that God gave in. <laughs> it was when he gave up that God came down. I said, look, the, one of the greatest tests of the believer is to be able to wait. We skim a lot. We run up and down. Nigeria is not making it. We've gone to Europe. We've gone to North America. We've gone to South Africa. Waiting is not something we know how to do, many of us. And waiting is hard if we don't know how to do it. Waiting is not wake up in the morning, buy a train stick and be chewing, brushing your teeth and say you are waiting. Waiting means that there is an assignment for each day. Be occupied with it. Be occupied with it. What comes to us in life is not what we scheme for. Believe me. It's God that rules in the affairs of men. And the day he says, this is what I want to do in your life. Once he, <laughs> the Bible said the king sent for him and loosed him. Even the rulers of the people. Go and read up the story. I don't have the story now. I, I, didn't, I, knew, I, I didn't know I was going to quote it. I mean, many of you try and follow the, um, pre- the president, Muhammad Buhari. Follow him on Twitter. You will see very beautiful pictures. If I saw the other, I would show my wife one photo. I said, wow. This picture is so beautiful. The point is the young man who is his official photographer. That's the story I wanted to know. Do you know the, story, the boy's story? But the story is a, is a serious story. It's an official photographer for the president. He follows the president everywhere. If you want to see fine pictures, follow the president on Twitter. The young man just went to, I think he just decided, instead of sitting doing nothing, let him buy a camera, take a few pictures cover one event. Then one they decided to cover a campaign, I think in Ekiti, somewhere. I don't know the details now. I, I, I didn't know how to quote it. I would have given you the details. Let's make a long story short. Nobody sent him the job he was doing initially. He was just posting pictures online. Next thing, APC won. And the president needed somebody to be following him around taking his pictures. So I said, why not that young man? He was not a big man until the president said, come, you, come and you follow me about now he writes presidential jets. <laughs> the number of kids I dropped one. Learn to ask God for things. Learn to cultivate faithfulness in whatever God has placed in your hands to do today. What God does for his people is to open doors. Until he opens your door, don't enter, don't create your own door. Don't rush into anything. You will know when he opened your door. I hope you get my point. You will know. You will know. Once you're having to make home phone calls, beg people, beg people, beg people, he hasn't opened the door yet. Once you're trying different keys, give me that key. Yellow one, try it, not open. He hasn't opened it. Call the pen. They said, ah, if I call this man, he knows this man. If I call that one, he knows this woman. If I now call the seventh person, they will be able to connect me. God has not opened that door. You are still struggling. If it opens by force, it won't bless you. Believe me, it won't bless you. That's not my message for today. Let's start the message for today. The Lord is good. So he said, I will preach my message. Where are you going? (laughs) Sit down. Let me preach. (laughs) I have a lot of time left. Of course, I will not be able to finish uh, the main thing I want to say, but 
Let's just start it. So we're reading. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law in his law he meditates day and night. We are talking about total faith. The thing I actually want to bring out for us today, which is actually where I began from, just that the Holy Spirit wanted me to say those things, and that's why we're saying them, is to explain about the environment you live in, how it affects your faith. Remember I said you must go for what? Strong faith. You must fight for your faith. You must work for it. You must put yourself in the place where faith can flow into your heart. I've explained that faith is a spiritual substance, it's not a deliberate decision to accept a fact. It's a spiritual substance that flows out of God into us. And that's why God could shut the hearts of people and say, you will hear, you will not understand. You will see, you will not perceive. He said, because if these people understand, they will return to me and I will be forced to heal them. And that's faith. So God says, let me shut off the door of faith from them. Faith can be shut off from people. We'll explain it again and again. But God can also pour abundance of faith into the hearts of his people. And that's what we're looking at. Now, so what I, we're bringing, uh, what I want to bring out today, which was my initial plan, but let's see what we can do, if not, we'll finish it next time, is the fact that your environment affects the faith in your heart. Faith is a substance that can be depleted, and it can flow into you. I was going to tell the story earlier, then I, 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 I left it out. I said that last year, when we, um, one of our sisters here came and gave me a testimony after our seminar, that at, when I finished preaching that day, there's something she had been believing God for, or she had been planning to get. That day she just prayed, and within a few days, or the next day, the miracle began to happen, and she got something that was bigger than what she could personally afford, and she said to me later that, ah, if I knew it was this easy, I would have just prayed this prayer long ago. And I said to her, it's not that easy. Why did you pray that prayer that day? It was because faith was stirred up in your heart. It was that stirring up of faith that now makes it look easy. Do you get my point? It's because you were present where faith was being poured out. It was because as the word of God was flowing, faith was riding upon it and entering into your heart. Faith was riding upon it and filling your heart. And when faith filled your heart, it rose up in you. You were able to make a request and download the blessing from heaven. And you're not looking at this and say, oh, if, I, if only I knew it was this easy. It was never easy. It was that now you're in the right place and faith has filled your heart. Very important we understand that point. So what I'm going to emphasize is that the environment you are in affects how faith fills your heart. And I want to explain something to us again today. Let's just look at a few stories. We'll develop it further if we don't finish it today. Next time. So that's why we read this one. If you walk in the counsel of the wicked, if you stand in the path of sinners, if you sit in the seat of scoffers, what you are doing is that you are cutting off the blessing that should have flowed into you. You are cutting off the channel of the spirit of faith. And, but if you don't do that, but you deliberately set your desire in a different direction, then you are setting yourself up for that flow of faith. What that just tells us is where you sit, where you walk, and where you stand affects your ability to relate with God. Now, I want us to just read a few stories to emphasize this. Let's quickly start from the book of Mark chapter 5. I just feel like saying it again. Tell your neighbor, wait. wait. Turn to somebody say, wait. Wait, wait for the Lord. 
I want to recommend for you two messages. How to wait for God. It's in our collection. Just go and find it. I preached it twice. How to wait for God. Very important. Apostle, maybe we should do a seminar on that. Yes. How to wait for God. Because sometimes it appears like God is taking time and coming. No matter how long he takes, he says you must wait. When Saul did not wait, he was rejected. He said, today God will have established your kingdom. He said, but now it will not endure. He's going to look for a man better than you. Why? He did not know how to wait. He didn't know how to wait. He said, in returning and in rest, you will be saved. But the people said, we will flee on horses. He said, therefore, those who are running after you will be swift. That's what God said. He said, no, you don't need to flee. You need to learn to wait. Very important. Mark chapter 5. I want to talk about how faith affects the working of the Lord Jesus. We know how it affected his hometown in that Mark chapter 9. Sorry, Mark chapter... Well, let's just read this one in Mark chapter 5. That one was in Mark chapter 6. From verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him fell at his feet, and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that he will get well and live. This man had some faith. And the Bible says in verse 24, And he went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Then I'm going to jump from verse 25 because of the story. There's a story that happened on the way, the woman with the issue of blood. The story now continues in verse 35. While he was still speaking, he was talking with the woman. He said, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Notice, even though his power flowed out of, her, uh, out of him into her, he never said, my power has made you well. He said, your faith is what made you well. So be healed of your affliction. So now in verse 35, so he was still, so while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe or only maintain your faith. I'm adding my own words there. It said literally, the Greek says, Only keep on believing. That's the American standard footnote there. He said, but I didn't even know he said that because it just fitted. All right, because I said the man had faith. He said to him, only keep on believing. Only keep on believing. No matter how things look like outside, keep on believing. No matter how the situation looks like it's not improving, what do you do? Keep on believing. Thank you. We keep on believing. We keep on believing. In verse 37, he said, and he allowed no one accompany him except Peter. Now, that's where I'm going. He allowed no one accompany him except Peter James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the synagogue official and they saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, 
Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. And the Bible says they began laughing at him. Now notice the next line. But putting them all out, he took along the child's father and mother and those three people, his own companions, and they entered the room where the child was. Now please, this, that's my message, verse 40. Everybody was laughing, but he pushed all of them out of his life. He pushed all of them out of his environment. He pushed all of them out of his inner caucus. He pushed them out of the circle of influence. I, now I'm adding words now. In this particular situation, the Bible says that he put all of them out and he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. There were just five of them with him. The parents, James, John, and Peter, they came with the Lord Jesus. Taking the child by hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi. Which translated means, little child, I say to you, get up. Say, immediately, the girl got up and began to walk. For for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astounded. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that something should be given her to eat. Now we'll introduce this and continue it next time. What I'm bringing out from here which we shall see many other examples later, is the fact that people's faith around affects you. And if you are going to maintain your faith, you have to be careful of the company that you keep, the people you discuss with, people who are in your inner circles, people you share your thoughts and ideas with. I have come to understand, and that's what I'm teaching, that God may want to do something. If you don't have the faith appropriate in your heart, it will not be done. Even though he wants to do it. And I'm explaining that if God wants to do something and you have faith in your heart, people can lick your faith away for you. They can do that. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. You can be around people that encourage your faith. And because of their presence, God can do more in your life. You know, I was writing to my brethren today. You know, I had to write a presidential address for our forthcoming convention. And I, I just said something. I quoted from the book of, um, um, I was writing from, what is this, Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brethren come together in unity. And I was emphasizing something. That listen to this. It is not just when brethren go to church. Because many times people go to church, they just go for a church service. And they are saved. And they go away. <laughs> you get my point. You serve them something, and that's the end of it. There's no communion of faith. There's nobody really interacting with them, helping them to build up their faith. Please, I'm going somewhere. In life, you must have a place, people that you interact with that help your faith. Listen, people can lick your faith for you. If you don't have anybody to help your faith, at least make sure nobody's licking it for you. There's one person that Israel went to counsel with, was discussing with, that ah, we don't see you around anymore. And he asked a question, which is what I think such a, it's very important we note. He said, okay, listen, you don't come around us, no problem. He said, but who do you hang with? I don't know whether I got that question. He said, I just want to know. I'm not saying that you must be with us. I just want to know I'm concerned. When you have problems, who do you talk to? 
When you have issues, who counsels you? When you have to hang out with people, where do you go? It is crucial. These are questions. We're talking about total faith. Faith is if somebody hides inside corner and says, I like to be alone. The fellow is wasting, unless you are amongst only those that don't believe, in which case it is safer for you to be alone. But when there are people around you, I like what the Ken Higgins said in his books, he got well faith that the Holy Spirit taught him directly from the Bible. He did not know anybody else believed in miracles. He grew up in a background where everybody said, God doesn't work miracles, just wants to save your soul. Three times preachers came to his house to come and see him while he was on the deathbed. He just wanted to ask them a simple question. Is it true what Jesus said in Mark chapter 11? That if I believe, I will receive. But because he couldn't talk, he was too sick. He heard them say, just be patient, it will soon be over. That was what they were all saying to him. And he said in one of his messages, he said, the little light I had, that man quenched it. And it took him months to recover that light. Months, months, before that light kindled up again. I like one story I heard from um, John Alexander Dowie, uh, well, told by John G. Lake. He said once he got home and his sister was dead. They told him, come, your sister is ill. And he rushed down home to his family house and then he got there, went to the sister's house and found out that she had died. And they were crying. People were you know, feeling very bad. He said something in him said, no, she doesn't have to go. Now this point I'm making, he took, he quickly sent a message to Dawi and said, my sister has apparently died, but my spirit would not let her go. I believe that God will raise her up again. Please join me in faith. And the man responded, keep on praying. I am praying with you. Something like that. She will leave. He said something that if he had sent a message back, say, my brother, you are getting too excited. <laughs> the days of miracles are over. He said, one thing is certain, he would have killed his faith and he would have had to bury that girl. Do you get my point? But because that man said that his faith was boosted and he continued to pray. After a while, he noticed that her husband got up and he looked, what is, she, what is he doing? He, he said that he thinks she blinked. And he went over there. Truly, the woman blinked, got up. Oh, what's happening? Oh, I was asleep. Just telling this kind of thing, don't worry. She got well. And said, for the first day, their whole family was well. That was the first day ever that the whole family was well. Why did I tell that story? Because he connected with somebody who said, don't worry, keep on praying. I am praying with you. You know, I said, he asked the brother, I said, listen, I'm not fighting you, I'm not angry with you, but I just want to know, what's your plan? Who do you talk to? Where do you hang out? You're a young man. What is happening in your life? Who do you hang with? That determines whether you will have faith or you won't. Be careful, again, what you read, what you watch. There are chat groups you don't belong in. There are Facebook friends you should defriend. I'm banned. Let me drop this so I can close and then we'll go home. In today's day and age, one thing that is a major problem everywhere is this one of people sitting down. All they do is ever criticize the government. That's all they ever do. do anywhere men gather like that, don't join with them. Anybody who doesn't believe in this thing I thought today, learn faithfulness, settle down, wait for God, 
don't discuss your life with him or her. The words of people affect you. The environment. The environment. Listen, there are places where you will be and you will have no choice but to get well. Even if you desire sickness, they won't be used to it. You will have no choice but to recover and be well. I remember once I was ill. This was many years ago. I was, I was still in school that time. This would be around 1980. Something between 1880 and 90. Not very sure which year. I was ill. I was even hospitalized. I was discharged, went home. But I wasn't too, too, totally well. Just okay, you know, off and on, off and on. I remember one thing my mother said once. And my mother is not a careless person. She's very concerned, I mean, like a typical mother would be over her children. So for her to make this statement, you know it's a serious matter. One day she said, maybe you should go back to school. And she made a statement. She said, when you are around those your friends, <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. That was, she said, look, because she knew my kind of people. That if you get back to school, don't worry, you'll be fine. She knew the kind, in fact, you know, the people I hung out with in school, even if you are sick, you can't, you can't admit it. Because the way they look at you is, ah, what kind of unbelieving sickness is that? That's the way they will answer you. The, the, way, the way they will look at you is, this guy is falling sick. Don't you know by his stripes you have been hit? That is, when they attack you, you go well. <laughs> Even if you don't want to believe, just so you can have peace of mind. I'm saying to you, listen, we'll discuss it for the next time. Where you hang around determines whether God will work his miracle and his blessing in your life. Or he won't. Don't think it's just normal. It's not. I said earlier, when Jesus said, be, 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 do not be afraid. He wasn't talking about, um, it's not a good thing. Don't get excited. Why are you shouting? Not the way we human beings talk. Why are you making so much noise? Don't get excited. That was not what he was saying. He was saying that if you are afraid, I walk past your boat, you will drown. When God says, fear not, it means if this fear will continue, let me go and bless somebody else. Don't let anybody talk you out of what blessing God wants to bring in your life. And what I'm trying to talk about is forming a habit. And something I said the other time, end up by communion. Many people have eaten free. (laughs) Sometimes I talk to Christians. Where do you hang around in that particular place? I go there to see my clients. You sit down in a nightclub, you are seeing clients. You are looking for business. When, they hear, when you hear that Satan pushed Judas, I hope you know Satan really, really entered him and pushed him. Yeah. People make it look like Satan, you just want to blame Satan. Sometimes we overblame Satan. That's true. But the truth is that Satan actually pushes people. My message is, don't go where he enters people. That's, that's my message. Because there are places you hang around, Satan will actually enter you and push you. And you will be held accountable. Why does God hold you accountable? Because you are the one that put yourself where Satan can push you. Look, let me close. Because this is what I wanted to preach today, but it's good we do the other one. And it's, I've, I've opened this now. We cannot talk about it next time. My message is just that, listen, your environment affects your faith. Let's read the scripture. We'll, we'll close with it. Proverbs chapter 4. You have to hang around places where your faith is stirred up. 
He said, my son, from verse 22, verse 20, give attention to my words, incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their body. That's not my message. It's just a prelude to it. Verse 23 is where I want to read. Watch over your heart with all diligence. For from it flow the springs of life. Watch over your heart with all diligence. He said, don't let them depart from your side. Keep them in the midst of your heart, which are my words. That is, there are things that want to steal that thing from your heart. So he said, watch over, guard your heart. Or like some translations we say, above all that is guarded. What was he saying? If you have, if I now, let's assume I give you $10,000. You know how you're going to keep it. You're going to hide it very well. I mean, <laughs> you won't let, you, some of you won't let your wife know it's there. Not because you don't trust your wife, but, but you don't trust her mouth. She may go and tell somebody, say, you know, my husband has a lot of money and he's keeping it at home. She's not planning to steal it, but she has told somebody to come and steal it without knowing that somebody's planning to steal it. You guard it. This is, you have a car, lock it, you track it. Why? It's called guarding it. I saw a joke today. One man bought for 30 liters. Now he tied Alsatian dog next to the dog. <laughs> next to the dog. No, the fuel. He tied dog. <laughs> One man put three staples on the cover of his tank. Three padlocks. He said, this is security for fuel. <laughs> because of fuel scarcity. These are all precious things. So people guard them. Now the Bible now says, above all that you guard, guard your heart. Because what your life will experience is flowing from somewhere, from that place. How do you guard your heart? I'm, leave, I'm closing here. What you focus on, what you hear, what people tell you. But more importantly today, in the context of what we are speaking, people you hang around. There are those that by the time you finish talking with them, you will know. They don't need the spirit to tell you. Your faith goes down. You finish talking with them, they weaken your faith. Suddenly, no, things are not the way. You get my point? Your faith is weaker than before. Like I say to people, like, to people when I hear such things, I say, then why do you still keep talking to such people? There are those you should put off your phone. Don't discuss anything with them again. Because whether you like it or not, it's affecting you. That's my message. Whether you like it or not, it is affecting you. Let me stop here. We'll build it up next time. That's actually the main message I came today with. But I think you were blessed by the other one too. Yes. So let's leave this one here. We'll build it up next time. Don't forget. I, if I wanted to title this message, now I will now use that title next time. Because the title is very sweet. I call it the ambience of faith. You know? The ambience. Atmosphere for miracles. <laughs> the Lord is good. We'll develop that next time, alright? Let's bow down our heads and just give the Lord thanks for today. Just say, Lord, thank you. For the good word. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank him especially because 
he's the judge, he's in charge, he's in control. He's the one that is opening the door for you. And he said to you, be busy until I come. Cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. Cultivate faithfulness. That's what he's saying. Thank him because your door is in his hands. The door to the next phase of your life is in his hands. Cultivate faithfulness. That's what he says. And I will open my door. The door for your life for you at the appropriate time. Thank him for that. In the name of Jesus Christ. Our Father will give you thanks. Once again, I bless your people with your blessing. And I say to you, the Lord bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord will keep you in the name of Jesus. Amen. The Lord will make his face shine upon you in the name of Jesus. Amen. He will pour his grace upon you. Amen. He will lift up his countenance upon you. Amen. That is, he will smile. That's what it means. He will smile on you with favor. Amen. He will cause the rain to fall for you in due season. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. No evil will befall you. No plague will come near your dwelling place in the name of Jesus. Like I said to you earlier, Ron Kenoli did not build integrity music, that Hosanna music. He did not build that enterprise. Yet somebody came and said, come and record an album with us. What is happening is that you will live in houses you did not build. I said you will live in houses you did not build. He said other men labored. But you have stepped into their labor. That's the word of the Lord Jesus. You will step into labors bigger than yours in the name of Jesus. God will make all grace abound towards you. He will cause prosperity to flow towards you like a river. He will send help from above. He will send help from abroad. He will send help from far places. That which you did not even know you needed, you will get it. Before you know the need, the provision will be there. In the name of Jesus Christ. Faith will rise up in your heart. Faith will rise up in your heart. God will help you to believe for that you did not even know was possible. The spirit of faith will be poured upon you. In the name of Jesus Christ. Great things will be done for you. In the name of Jesus. Once again, I say to you, as you travel, you will be safe. As you return, you will be safe. No evil will befall you. And no plague will come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. Come, let's share the grace in fellowship. Because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, surely we have passed out of death and we have passed into life. We have passed out of darkness into the light of Christ. We have passed out from under the curse into the blessings. All things have passed away in our lives. We are now filled with the Spirit of Christ. We live above sin and walk above the devil because we are seated high above with Christ. This is our season of fruitfulness and multiplication in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. One more time. In the name of Jesus Christ. Bless somebody, please. Another person. This is your season of fruitfulness and multiplication in that name. All right, cheer up, brethren.